we are back and it is episode number nine of the shutdown inning podcast and it is the middle of december steven risotto here with tyler hall tyler what are you up to nowadays how you doing hey hey everybody uh yeah good to good to be here with you steven if i sound a little uh off i'm just fighting through the winter dude with a little guy in preschool <laughs> Yeah, well, that, but, so uh, j- just know that the people listening probably think it's like a different person. So no, this is Tyler. Yeah, this I, yeah for this episode, this is Tyler's voice. Uh, but we had to shut it down. We can't break the streak. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, just getting through the holidays, man. You know, it's always fun. Got uh, my little dude Hunter, who's like learning more about Christmas and the season. And we saw Santa last night. Still a little scared of the big man, but he was able to get out what he wanted. He wants a trash truck and a pillow. So not a whole lot to deliver, but I'm sure he'll be happy next week. I guarantee you that. Yeah, no, Hunter's going to live it up. And and the Santa visit, like, was he, was it like full on tears? Was it just like a, like a, like a frightening look on his face? I mean, take us through Nah, that. He, he was happy like to go. He was like, see Santa, see Santa. Uh, we got there, one of us got in line and we traded off a little bit so we could run around with him while he, while one of us waited. And then once we got up to like fourth, third or fourth in line and he realized like, uh Oh, like there he is. And I'm next or I'm coming up. He kind of just like shut down. He kind of curled up in my wife's arms. And then, uh, we went up there and luckily they had like a double bench. So like there's room for a parent to sit next to Santa. And so he just curled up with her. And was just like nestled, not even looking at Santa. And then Santa, the Santa fairy tale town in Sacramento. He's a boss. He he nailed it. He got Hunter to warm up to him. And uh I convinced him to give Santa a high five and a fist bump. And then after that, you know, he he never sat on his lap, but he sat with mom and told Santa what he wanted and smiled and had a good time from there. So that was cool. There you go. Yeah. Starting off the uh the holiday season right. Uh, glad Hunter could experience uh, that that visit to Santa. Um, speaking of Santa, um, Giants fans got a Christmas present pretty early uh, since we recorded, and yeah. like I, I think I think we are the uh, the uh, like the example of people that do podcasts like a day or two too early because like we like the judge thing we had to wait on that for a little bit, um, and then the the Carlos Correa. Uh, signing happened. Carlos Correa signing with the Giants, thirteen years, three hundred and fifty million. And in the last episode, like we were talking that he was one of the big remaining free agents. And like right after that happened, the Giants signed him to a contract on on Tuesday night. So I mean, where were you when you heard this? I guess that's the question that everybody's asking each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, basically twenty four hours after we recorded, I think you know a few hours after we released the episode, Correa signed. Uh, you know, obviously we're, we talk all baseball here on shutdown inning, but you know, Steven and I are going to be, you know, having an, a closer eye on the giants, but, uh, yeah, I was on watching TV with my wife and, uh, I was in a group chat with you, Steven, and I saw one of our, uh, uh, Doug Hayes just say, OMG, OMG 13 slash three fifty, And I was like, wait, what's going on? And then I knew something was up. So I went to like uh, bleacher report and, Jeff Passan, you know, broke the news, which made me feel a lot better that it wasn't John Heyman. And, uh, 
Yeah. So, you know, from, for, you know, about an hour, hour and a half after that, I was just like trying to pay attention to what I was watching with my wife, but also like thinking about this deal and, and watching the reactions. Uh, where were you? I think you were actually on spaces, right? Yeah. Me and uh, our good friend and, and listener to the show, Eric Nathanson, we were on Twitter spaces and we were on there like 15 minutes before we were talking about, you know, Ross Stripling signing with the giants. Cause that was Ross Stripling's day. It was it was supposed to be his day. He's like, yes, I got the day where all the Bay Area media attention's on me. And then, like, boom, Carlos Correa signs. And I, I looked at the well, notification I mean, you... come up, and I was like, oh, my – I didn't say, oh, my God. I just said, Correa, Giants, 350, 13 years. He's signing. The Giants got their guy. So that was it. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you sign Ross Stripling, that sends a message to the rest of baseball, and that's how you get a Carlos Correa. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, but you know, you know, on our episode last week, you know, we recorded last Monday night, and I basically said on there that if the Giants don't get Correa, this offseason is basically a fail for them because everyone's looked at this offseason for the Giants for a long time. Obviously, they didn't get Judge. It was huge for them to get a guy like Correa who can help, you know, show that a, a big bat doesn't need to worry about signing in San Francisco and also hopefully attract future bats to come here. And so I think, you know, uh, you know, and you could even argue that for what the Giants needed and for the durations of the contract with Judge being a few years older than Correa and the annual values where Judge is at like 40, Correa is at about 26 and a half or 27 ish, I think. You know, like this signing could be better than a nine three sixty for Judge. So you know, I, time will tell on that. But I do think that you know the Giants kind of salvaged an off season where it could have turned really sour really quick if they went into next season off of this off season that everyone was looking forward to, and they said, "Hey guys, we got Hanniger, Manea, and and Stripling." That's gonna not gonna excite a lot of people. But, uh, you know, I think those guys on top of a Correa signing, you know, this could easily be a, a playoff team. And then we'll see who they add around Correa. I don't think they're done yet necessarily, but, you know, obviously huge. I mean, 13 years. How many other 13-year deals have there been in baseball history? Was the, was the Stan deal 13 years originally? I think the Harper deal's up there, was, right? But... I can't remember, but there's been a Tatis is definitely up there. I think I don't know what Wander Franco got. There's been a few, but I think, uh, but no, the Correa one. I mean, it like honestly, you hit the nail on the head when you said this may have saved the Giants' off season from being a total disappointment. But now, you know, now that we're looking at it, the Stripling and the Hanniger moves and the Manaya move, it's like okay, that makes sense now. Like, it complements the, the Correa move so much. And yep. is Correa the aircraft care? And I hate that term so much because I think it's it's very it's such a self-centered term in baseball talk. But is Correa the aircraft carrier that Aaron judges in terms of popularity, production, all of that? No, but he's still an outstanding shortstop. He's an outstanding player. He's played on winning teams before. He's a champion. He's a guy with a winning mentality. He's still young enough to where you could somewhat build around him. And I think that's so important. And he's a guy that's going to be there for 13 years, an impact player for 13 years. And like, I know a lot of people are so caught up in the years and 
how 13 years could be egregious. And I, I understand that completely. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go after someone for thinking that's too long. Cause it is a long time. And we're all saying how old we're going to yeah. be when it ends, but think of it this way, like with the amount of guys changing teams, you know, a 13 year deal with no opt out, no trade clause, this guy is going to, you know, be a San Francisco giant by the end of it. Like Houston's yeah. going to be in the, in the rear view mirror. Minnesota sure as heck is going to be in the rear view mirror. And Correa's on the Hall of Fame path. And if he gets in, yeah. he's going in with the Giants hat. So I think that's a, yeah, a I mean, silver lining. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned uh, a couple things. I was on uh, Coffee in the Cove with Eric that we mentioned earlier, uh, you know, yesterday. And a couple things I mentioned um, was, you know, the Zips projections. And again, I do want to preface that by it is a projection. It's, you know, time has to pass and it has to become reality. But, but of every active shortstop in baseball Correa is predicted to have best gear so you know you're talking your Trey Turners your Tatises your Francos and Correa is projected to be at the top of that list out of all these guys who are currently active your Xander Bogarts and so yeah if he performs to those projections and he has 13 years of that in an orange and black uniform he's going in as a giant so I mean that's huge. And also, you know, a lot of people have said that, you know, he's not a good leader. He's not a good teammate. And that's just furthest from the truth. You know, I, I, yesterday I compared him to Draymond Green. He's like one of those guys where if he's not on your team, you hate him. But if you're on it, if he's on your team or if he's in your clubhouse or your locker room, you love the guy. Uh, you know, I haven't really seen a bad word said about him from teammates, you know, from his teammates in Houston or his teammates in, in, in Minnesota, everyone has seemed to love the guy. He's even taken a few young guys uh, under his wing. Um, and so, you know, for, especially for a guy that you're going to have for 13 years, where he might not be a superstar for all 13 of those, but if he's able to mentor and help, you know, bring up young guys in the organization for 13 years, that's, you know, that's how you bring value for 13 years. It's not all going to be on the stat line. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, I, I I think that Correa, his value also helps the Giants with defense. Like the Giants were the worst defensive team in baseball last year. And, you know, you and I have watched enough games to where we can point out, um, you know, I, I don't even think we have enough fingers on our hands to point out how many times the Giants could have won a two-run or one-run game, but they threw a ball away in the third or you know, fourth inning, something, something of that capacity. Uh, you know, there's one road trip where they went to Atlanta um, and it just like every game could have been won. And I, I digress, but there's been a few games like that. And Correa, like adding him, you know, an above average shortstop to shortstop and then move Brandon Crawford. You know, I don't know where he's moving. Uh, it's not, you know, he, the giants declined to say he declined to say so far, uh, but wherever he moves, I mean, you have the two of them, you know, on, on the field and Crawford, I imagine is going to be playing a lot somewhere else. Um, so you automatically, I, I feel like it's gotta be third. I think so too. Yeah, I think I so like too. it's gotta be third. Like you don't want to waste Crawford's arm moving him to second. He's used to playing at least on the left side of the infield, mm -hmm. you know, like the shift is quote unquote dead, but you know, you can still play Correa basically up the middle for lefties and still have uh, Crawford basically playing at shortstop. So yeah. I just think that's the national, the national transition for him. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised so far he's been a, a pros pro about it and be like, yeah, you know, I wasn't fully in on the loop, but, uh, 
you know, I think he takes a lot of pride in, you know, growing up a Giants fan, being a career long giant. And so he, you know, and I think he knows that like a guy like Correa is going to give him the best chance to win, you know, this year and and in the future, if he stays with the, with the club. So. And I can't blame him. Like if he's in any way, shape or form, like shaken by this, like Brandon Crawford has every right to be, a little shaken, a little, I, w- I wouldn't say upset or pissed because, oh, you know, at the end of the day, you're adding a really awesome player to your team. But, like, he acknowledged that, yeah, you know, it's going to take some getting used to. And, you know, if people yeah. view that as any sort of, um, you know, if people view his hesitation or, you know, reluctancy as any sort of, like, oh, he's not buying in, that's just reading Brandon Crawford wrong. Like, we've known him long enough to know where – you know, he's going to, he's a team player, but no, I, I do agree. I think third base is, is probably a better fit and they may try something like you mentioned, that's pretty creative with the shift or with no shift, I should say, where you have two rangy guys on the left side. Uh, but I think second, like that kind of popped into my head because of no shift. Cause like, I think, you know, I heard somewhere, I think Pavlovich might've said it like you're, you're eliminating any chance Wilmer Flores plays another inning at second base. Like there's no way that happens. So uh, second, but you know, you have Estrada there who had a good year. So, um, but I don't think there's any doubt that Crawford, you know, would not make a big deal out of this. I mean, I think I mentioned this on, uh, on a different yeah. podcast, but if anything, Crawford and Correa, like their wives are going to become friends. They're going to go to like top golf or something. Cause Correa or uh, Crawford's kind of that guy that befriends everybody. So that wouldn't shock me either. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, definitely, you know, I'm, I'm sure on an individual level, it kind of, it's got to hurt sting a little bit at least, but you know, he's always been a team guy. And it, if, if you're a team guy and you're not stoked about a Carlos Correa joining your team, then you're not really a team guy. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny so because I, I think he gets it. Yeah, he gets it. And it's funny because the the NLS was once a division with Seager at shortstop and Trey Turner at shortstop after him and Tatis at shortstop and even like going way back Troy Tulowitzki at shortstop and now the Giants have the yeah. best shortstop in the game or not not the best shortstop in the game but now they have the best shortstop in the division so uh, the tables have turned a little bit yeah. <laughs> how the turntables yes how the turntables yeah, I mean, you know, so obviously that was a, a big signing out here on the West Coast where we are, and that kind of left one guy left on the market, you know, in the top 15 or 20. And uh, that got wrapped up uh, yesterday when Dansby Swanson signed with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I think it was seven years and 170, 180 range. Uh, what was your reaction to, to that signing and kind of bringing an end to the big splashes of the offseason? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's at one point during the winter, especially right after Bogart signed, um, the, like the talk was, okay, Swanson's going to get overpaid completely. But I think that this is the right deal for him. I think they, they, the Cubs nailed it. Uh, I, I think, you know, obviously you overpay on every free agent, but the Cubs, this is where, you know, this is what he should have gotten. You know, he got, you know, like you mentioned, seven years in the 170 to 180 range. I can't remember what the exact number was, but he, I mean, he's one thing about this is that it could end up being a big bargain because Dansby Swanson has like okay. trended upwards as he's gotten older and he's, he's gotten better and better and better. And like, if his offense stays at where it is now, I mean, boom, 
Like this is automatically a bargain. So I think that's what they're betting on. And plus, you know, I know he's got his wife is like a soccer player in, in Chicago. I in think Chicago, I read. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's a cool story. And, I, you know, I didn't think the Cubs would be on a big shortstop the way they were this offseason. But it's good for them to spend money because they can't be they can't be acting like the Brewers. But, uh, yeah, no, I will say if his offense stays, it will be looked at as a bargain. Yeah, I mean, I was I was kind of surprised after what uh, Trey Turner got eleven, Bogarts got eleven, Correa got thirteen. Yeah, and then you get Swanson signing for seven. So I mean, as a Cubs fan too, you got to be kind of stoked that, like you said, he has been trending up, and, and your commitment's only seven years. So I think he'll be like thirty-five or thirty-six when his contract's up. So you know, hard to be upset on that deal. Worst case, you get one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball, um, and you know everyone's offensive numbers usually take, to, you know, a nice little bump up in the summer when you're hitting at Wrigley Field half the time. You know, Wrigley Field's a, a nice place to be a, a professional hitter. So uh, you know, yeah, I think this could be a great bargain for the Cubs, and uh, you know. You know, him and his wife can be Mr. And Mrs. Chicago for the next seven years. Yeah. And uh, Nico Horner is his double play partner now. And Nico Horner was like one of the best shortstops defensively last year. And like moving him to second, I mean, you have the best up the middle, you know, shortstop second base combo defense uh, combo defensively in baseball, I think. And I think Jeff Passan, you know, mentioned that too. But um, yeah, no, I, I like the, I like the move a lot. Um what do you think this leaves LA? Like, cause I, I've been wondering about the Dodgers this entire offseason. Obviously, we're gonna get to them in just a second, but in terms of like shortstops, like they missed out on all of them. You know, I, I don't know how hard they were in on Swanson, but like they let Corey Seeger walk and now they let Turner walk. Like I I don't know what the, the route is there. You know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of surprised. And, uh, you know, as a Giants fan, it kind of scares me with how quiet the Dodgers have been this offseason. So I'm just like, okay, they're they're doing something. Exactly. It's like, where are they? When are they going to pop up and just blow everybody's minds? Um, <laughs> got Steven doing the shark for those not looking. I'm in the, but, in the bay uh, too. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I mean – they do have a really strong farm system. So maybe they're cooking up, they're looking going to go trade around and try to bring someone over. Uh, I mean, they're still, you know, they lost out. They're obviously going to downgrade at shortstop this year, but you still have a Betts and a Smith and a Freeman. And so, I mean, they're obviously still going to be a force to be reckoned with, but it does scare me that they didn't really make a big splash this offseason. It really makes me think, that, you know, they could have done this, probably made a splash this offseason and still do this, but I think they're going to throw stupid money at Shohei Otani next year. That's what makes me think this is going to happen after not really going after anybody this year. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And, and like, we're going to get to it in just a sec, but, like, third base just opened up there, too. And, like, I don't know what their their farm system looks like i i think i think you're right i think it is still very strong i wouldn't imagine anything otherwise but like does this put them in the sweepstakes to acquire like a rafael devers like you know a year ahead of his free agency and stick him at third and then like he's your guy that you know gets extended at third base and you know there's some questions about devers's defense but 
um like that would be that i mean we you, you mentioned how they're too quiet and i agree with you that would be like the icing on cake on the cake you know just to add another like big time offensive unit to their infield yeah to go with um to go with freeman and obviously bets in the lineup too and will smith and those guys but i mean that would not shock me if they pull that off yeah, I mean, I just ran, Googled really quickly, like, farm system rankings, and I saw, like, three or four different rankings, and they're in the top three in every one of those. Of course. On one of them, they're one. couple of them, they're two. One of them, they're three. So, you know, and, yeah, so it's scary as a Giants fan. Uh, you know, I also see, like, that's kind of what Farhan's trying to build for the Giants, too. But, like, yeah, I mean, they can basically – they have the bullets and the money to go acquire whoever they want. So, Yeah. And, and everybody's – you know, I, I do think, like – I do agree with the, the realm where, you know, prospects are overrated. I do – I think 100% they're overrated. Most of them – do not end up being what they're expected to be. I think we can all agree on that. But when you have a great farm system, I think it it like it it maximizes the chances of one of those guys coming out like very strong. So anytime you have a good farm yeah. system, it's such an added bonus. Also, like, you know, in this situation where they, you know, may or may not, you know, based on Steven Risotto's speculation about Rafael Devers being a fit. But um especially it helps contending teams in situations like these when you need a piece to get you over the hump or, you know, maybe they wait until like the deadline and get Devers or something. And, you know, he yeah. comes at a cheaper price, you know, I don't know, but that was just a thought. I, you know, Devers, I mean, yeah, I think, the Dodgers, you know, yeah. I mean, the Dodgers are going to be in the playoff hunt. They're probably going to be worst case, uh, like second place in the NL West at the trade deadline, if not first place. So they can they can wait and just see how their season goes, where they need to. You know, they're coming off what 111 wins, which is ridiculous. So I mean, they can they can be patient, and you know they've earned that. And uh, and I agree with you as far as you know uh, having a farm system and having top prospects. You know, trading prospects who you hope someday will be great big league talent for all established big league talent is a no brainer to me. Obviously, you know, years of control come into play and like, when's the guy you're getting becoming a free agent and, and so on. But, you know, except for maybe each team probably has like one or two guys that they're so high on where they're, you know, almost quote unquote untouchable. Like, yeah. Know, trade these guys who you hope someday can be a Raphael Devers for a Raphael Devers. Like, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I think, I think my main point on that is like, um, you know, it, it's okay to like say prospects overrated because we all think that, you know, prospects overrated. Most of them don't pan out, but saying that does not, you know, does not excuse a bad farm system, right? Like there's no excuse yeah. for a bad farm system. Like that's just such a lapse in scouting and development. And anytime you have a bad farm system, especially the teams that have been bad for like, a few years, like the giants, like that 107, you know, win year kind of mess with their heads in terms of like future yeah. blueprints for building a roster. They thought they could bring all those guys back and it's like, they got too happy with that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, mean, I feel like it gave, I feel like it gave fans an unrealistic expectation. And then I think it just gave 
give the team the justification to bring those guys back and not necessarily go spend a bunch of money. Like, Hey, we won 107 games with these guys. But, you know, I think, you know, Farhan and Kapler knew that they had basically a best case scenario in 21. And then in 22, they saw almost the opposite. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's okay. I think to, to say like, you know, prospects overrated, but again, like I said, it does not excuse your team from having a bad system. And it goes vice versa, too. Like you could say, oh, we need to hang on to these prospects, right? Um, and then you look and like your 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 prospect list is, you know, very thin. And, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm going on a tangent here that I don't even understand. But speaking of the Dodgers, uh, one of their like, I, I mean, he had to be the longest tenure. Great transition. Yeah, great transition. Uh he had to have been one of the longest tenured Dodgers. I'd have to look at that besides Kershaw and, Kershaw, uh, yeah. um, you know, Probably Kershaw. It, yeah. It might just be him. Might just be him. Uh, but yeah. Gone. I mean, essentially, essentially the dime, the Dodgers and the Red Sox made a trade today, more or less. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. JD Martinez signing to basically become DH for the Los Angeles Dodgers and Justin Turner, the longtime, you know, Dodger signing to go uh, back to the East coast and become a Boston Red Sox. Um, Yeah. I mean, both of those guys are a little up there. I mean, I think Justin Turner's 38, which is, if you ask me is still very young, uh, very young 38, but um as a 38 year old myself, but you know, I, I mean, if they can stay healthy, I think they could both help the clubs they're joining. Um, I don't know. I, I, both those guys, I don't know. They've just been around so long that, that neither of them really moved the needle for me much. Steven, how about you? I mean, I'm, I'm not like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe these guys, but yeah. JD what's your reaction yeah. to their signings. JD, I think, is still very much like an offensive threat. Like, I, I still think, you know, not looking at the, not having the numbers in front of me, but he is a, still a presence in the box. And, and, uh, you know, he's a guy that could, you know, put one out of the ballpark. And, um, at any given point, I think, you know, being a, a DH, you know, in the National League, um, and, and, you know, without any worry of him ever, you know, putting on a glove and playing the outfield. He's still a well above average offensive player, I think. And I think he's going to fit well with this Dodger team. In the past, he's been asked to carry lineups, especially some of the mediocre Boston teams of the last few years. And here, like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really need to do that. I mean, he could kind of just hide a little bit in the bottom of the order, or not bottom, but, you know, kind of middle of the order, uh, you know, four, five, six. He doesn't need to carry the freight the way he once did with with a few different lineups. So I think that's a positive in that regard. And, I think again, we mentioned bargain with uh, what Swanson Swanson's deal could be. There's no such thing as a bad one year deal, especially 11 million for a guy of his caliber. So, um, no, I think he's still scary. As for Turner, Turner, it's cool because I'm looking at the contract of uh, Ken Rosenthal just reported that um, uh, Turner's going to get 12 million this year. Uh, no, sorry, 15 million this year. And then seven point seven million in two thousand twenty four if he exercises the player option. So like everybody's saying, why don't they backload these or why don't they front load these deals? And like the Red Sox kind of did. So like that's one of the first examples yeah. of front loading. You know, granted, not a lot, not a big front load, eight million dollars or whatever it was. 
But still, I mean, it's you know, double. Yeah, team front-loading a deal, so that's cool to see. I don't know where he fits, though, in that team. I am confused by that entire team. Yeah, I mean, I think he might try to pick up first base a little bit, especially with yeah. them dumping Hosmer the other day. So maybe a first base slash DH slash whenever Devers needs a, a rest. That's the only yeah. thing I can think of. I don't know where else he would make sense for them. Um, I thought he still played but, a really good third base, if I wasn't mistaken, but could be wrong on that. Yeah, I mean, maybe they DH Devers because I know his defense has kind yeah. of slipped a little bit. Um, so maybe maybe they almost, you know, I don't know if it counts as platooning if one of them's DHing and one of them's in the field, but maybe to keep their legs fresh, they, you know, almost alternate who's playing the hot corner each night and who's DHing. That could be an option too. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm reading the report here and Turner had a lot of suitors too. Marlins, Diamondbacks, Twins, Dodgers, they were the other teams involved. So, uh, you know, again, another guy that could still hit, um, and, and just, I, I don't know how many Dodger fans we have, probably not a ton, but like this guy, I, I, I honestly believe that like all those good Dodger teams of the 2000, the 2010s and even the early 2020s, like he was the heart and soul. I think a lot of, of a lot of those teams, like he wasn't, he was scary in a lot of ways, but he was never, I felt like the one guy that is like the star on the team, but he always like kind of seemed like a guy that would be a heart and soul in the clubhouse. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, yeah. Like maybe he's not the biggest production on the field, but he's kind of like the motor that keeps the engine going behind the scenes and kind of the glue of the team. I think you could say, like I could see people having that feeling about him for sure. Yeah. And this seems like it's going to be it for him. Probably. Um, Maybe he gets another one-year deal after this or something like that that takes him into 39, 40 seasons. But um, we'll like, see. I mean, I, I think that front load, that front load was also it's uh, a player option for next mm -hmm. year for 24. So he could take yeah. his 15 this year, opt out, and go. You know, maybe resign with Boston, but. You know, he could take his 15 this year and then become a free agent next offseason, too. So, and he's got some incentives in there, too. So, he, he can unlock a series, according to MLB trade rumors, a series of $200,000 bonuses if he reaches at least 480 uh, plate appearances. So, uh, I think it, I think what they mean by series is that like 480, you get a bonus, then like maybe like, you know, 520 yeah, bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Every like so, 40 after that. Yeah. Um, I, I like incentive contracts. I, 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 you know, obviously 200 grand in that deal is not much, but um, I think incentives should be a lot higher in my opinion, but I don't think the players association would like that very much because they're all about the guaranteed money. Um, yeah. But uh, I was going to mention one more thing. Yeah. No Turner. Yeah. Heart and soul of that team, I believe. And his career is actually really cool. I know Giants fans hate him, but like if you look at his career, you know, released by the Mets and like changed his swing. And he was the first guy to like, you know, work with an independent hitting coach and change his swing and, you know, embrace the launch angle um, kind of swing. And I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I don't know what they're exactly called launch angle swing, whatever. But yeah, Turner was to kind of guy. embrace, you know, like independent hitting coaches and analytics into their approach kind of thing. Kind of. Yeah, true. a little bit. So yeah. uh, Justin Turner goes to uh, Boston. J.D. Martinez goes to Chavez Ravine. Um, 
about a half an hour in here. Uh, I guess we could go over some uh, some uh, favorite. Uh, we we wanted to talk because obviously this is going to be our last episode before Christmas, and uh, you know, obviously everybody's family has some kind of holiday tradition, whether they celebrate Christmas, whether they don't, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it may be. Tyler, do you have any like family traditions or things that you've done for for Christmas or any other holiday throughout your life? I guess this time of year. Yeah, I mean, uh, ever since I got together with my wife uh, a little like five or six years ago, every you know it's a little past now. We've already done it this year, but every year the the Thanksgiving, the weekend after Thanksgiving, we go pick up our tree and then we decorate it together and watch Home Alone one and order pizza and watch and decorate the tree together while we do that. So that's been uh, near and dear to my heart for a few years now. Um, you know, there's a few movies we watch every year, uh, on top of home alone, we always watch Christmas vacation, which is just one of my favorite comedies, like of all time, not even just Christmas movies. Like I laugh my ass off every time I watch that movie. Um, and then, you know, getting to, you know, family in the actual like day or days of Christmas, you know, we always do I have a big extended family up here in Sacramento. So we do, you know, a big extended family gathering on Christmas Eve. And then we kind of break off into our immediate families for Christmas Day. But so kind of having within those two days, getting to see everybody in the family, more or less. And then, you know, being able to spend it with the ones you're closest to on the day has always been really awesome. And and now that I have a little little a little guy, Hunter, that we talked about a little bit earlier, being able to watch him every, you know, kind of so at this age, especially kind of every year, he's kind of learned a little bit more and kind of understood more like this year. He learned like, oh, that guy is Santa Claus and we decorate the outside of our house so he knows to stop here and then just, you know, just getting to experience that with him is an awesome tradition that I'm looking forward to for a lot of years to come. Yeah. You Steven. No, that, yeah, that's really cool. And and I used to like really look forward to holidays and I used to not be able to sleep the day before, like um, Thanksgiving and Christmas and Halloween. And uh, now it's like, I don't want to say it's wearing off. I still get really excited for, for the holidays, but um I don't know. I, I feel like I, I've become more of like a, I don't know, maybe it's like phasing into the adult adulthood a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 20 years old. I've been a certified adult for a few years now. Um, Tyler, no. Uh, and uh, yeah, but it, it it's, I think definitely, I'm not like not numb to it anymore, but I still get excited, but just in kind of a different way. And the traditions that we have uh, in my family, you know, Christmas Eve, we spend it usually at my grandma's house and she lives in the South Bay. Uh, And that's like you mentioned, extended family, Uh, like my mom's aunt and uncles come there and it's cool to Mm. hang out with them. And they're all like, you know, cool sports fans and stuff. And like Joe Montana, you know, blow, you know, they're like old time sports. So it's fun listening yeah. to the stories and, um, yeah, I get to hang out with my cousins. That's always a treat. And then Christmas day, we, uh, we host, uh, usually, and, you know, kind of the same group comes down. So we see them back to back days and, um, I don't know. It's cool to have company. Like, I feel like, you know, when I get a house of my own one day, you know, I'm going to have a lot of company because, yeah company it's it's cool to to have people around and uh to to share meals and all that so no very excited and i like yeah. the cold weather too like i don't know about you but the cold weather 
as much as I like summer, it's my favorite season. There's something about bundling up and like getting yourself in blankets and long pajamas and enjoying kind of the, uh, the cold weather. So I like this time of year a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I miss living in the Bay area. You know, when I met my wife, we, we were living in San Francisco. So almost like every day was hoodie weather. And I like love hoodie weather up here in Sacramento. That's out, out of the door about six months out of the year. But like, Today it never got over forty at our house, which is a little wow. too cold for me. I I could take a little higher than that. This isn't exactly the norm. It's just a cold day, but uh, but yeah, you know, I completely relate to what you're saying. When I was little, I would always like like right now, like starting like right now, like a week from Christmas, like oh my gosh, it's like seven days away, and you know, not sleeping, and like what am I gonna get? And now it's just transitioned like the 180 degrees. Like I just I love to you know, give gifts to people and spoil yeah. the people I love. And I'm more like anticipate like, Oh, I can't wait to like give them this stuff and to spend time with the family and stuff like that. That's priorities definitely a little bit, but the anticipation I still feel is there. You know, a lot of people tell me I'm like a big little kid, you know, I'm just, you know, try to keep people amped up and having a good time. And so, you know, I look forward to being able to spoil them and, and enjoy it and give to people this time yeah, of year. For that's sure. a good way to put it. Yeah. I think I'm more in like, I, I like, you know, cause I've, you know, the past few years, obviously, cause when I, when you're a kid, you don't like, maybe you get your parents something at like the holiday boutique or something at school, but you don't really like pay attention to what you get like other people, you know? And now it's yeah. like, I like, you know, seeing their faces when they open a gift of mine rather than, cause like, I don't need anything. My room is like full. I'm trying to struggle to put stuff in places and, yeah. you know, so I don't need anything. I have everything I need. Um, but I, I do like, I think I've adapted the, uh, the, the giving people part of it, giving to yeah, people. Part I mean, of it. Yeah. And I just think, you know, like kind of similar to you, like if I need something, I, buy it for myself and it's usually not very big it's not like what do you need oh i want a usb adapter so i could plug in my mic and my mouse and my keyboard at the same time like i'm not gonna ask for that i'm just gonna buy it it's like 10 bucks on amazon you know so so yeah stuff like that where i'm just like you know i don't need anything i could go and never get anything for christmas now and i'd be completely happy yeah me too and i hate asking for stuff yeah I hate asking. Oh, yeah. Like, my wife asked me what I wanted this year, and I think I gave her, like, two things. I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, I just, I I hate thinking about what I need and what other people can give me. So, like, I never have a list anymore. So, I'm just like, yeah, sorry. Like, hope you think of something cool, I guess. Yeah. I get really uneasy when I, like, be, because my family, they always go right after Thanksgiving. My my mom is the wild one that goes Black Friday shopping. 3 a.m. Black Friday, you know, she's in Kohl's or something starting at 3 a.m. And like my grandma goes with her and my aunt and like they're wild. They're like OG, you know, when it comes to Black your, Friday shopping. Your mom and grandma are like the ladies we read about that like ran over another <laughs> shopper to get like the half price Keurig. <laughs> Pretty much. That's it. And like it's funny because she's like, okay, I'm home. And it's like nine o'clock in the morning. It's like, really? I, I'm like just waking up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I hate asking for lists, but, um, yeah, no, it's, I'm excited though. I think the holiday season this year is going to be awesome. This year flew by, um, and maybe we'll do an episode. We don't know yet, by the way, if we're going to do anything before 
uh, New Year's. Um, is there any baseball tradition though that that you've kind of because uh, you know on the topic of traditions we were thinking about like you know because we always do kind of a fun topic on the shutdown inning, and we wanted to kind of tie it into traditions and baseball. Is there any like baseball tradition okay. that that you have? It doesn't even have to be like Christmas or holiday based, but anything that you know you do that's maybe different from what anybody else does in terms of tradition. Uh, as far as me personally, I mean, for a long, long time, like I would never leave a game early. Yeah. I don't know if that counts as a tradition, but like, I'd say I so. would, you know, I would stay till the end of every game. Probably the, the first game I ever remember leaving early, it was me, my dad, uh, my sister, her friend, and my grandpa. And my grandpa was like your traditional tough old man. He wore a flannel. That was all he wore to a night game at Candlestick. <laughs> And, uh, it was a September game. I remember I was maybe nine or 10 September night game against the Dodgers. Uh, they were chanting a four letter word and then LA, but it wasn't beat back then. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it just got very cold and we were like in the top, I think we were three rows from the top of the upper deck behind home plate. And my grandpa was just freezing his ass off in just a flannel shirt. And my dad looked over, like, I wasn't warm either, but I was like wearing three or four layers and a parka and long johns. And my dad looked over and I, he was just like, Hey, Tyler, I think your grandpa's struggling a little bit. Uh, would you be okay if we left? He's worried he'll disappoint you if he asks to leave. And I was like, can we listen to the game on the way home? And I was like, and he was like, yeah, of course. He's like, but you need to suggest going home. So your grandpa doesn't feel bad. And so I was like, okay, as long as we can listen to the rest of the game on the way home. And so like, I leaned over and it's like, Hey grandpa, it's a little cold. Can we go home? And he's like, Oh, sure. That's fine. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so, you know, for the longest time, like I never left a game early. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've also, you know, not personal, but I've gotten to see some awesome traditions just in baseball. I've been, I've sang Sweet Caroline on the Green Monster at Fenway so awesome. Park. Uh, I've sat in the bleachers at Yankee Stadium during roll call. So, you know, and then, you know, a personal one for me is, you know, uh, singing I Left My Heart in San Francisco at, after a Giants win at home. I sing that every night when I, if I, I if uh, my wife and I usually trade off, but if I put Hunter to bed, uh, the last song I sing to him at night is I Left My Heart in San Francisco. Uh, so that's if they it. win uh, or like if they lose or like both oh uh, when i'm putting him to bed i always sing to him but you know at the ballpark if the giants win they play i left my heart in san francisco yeah. when the game ends um so that's one that you know i always loved it before i had my son but now that you know it just became you know because he was born in san francisco we lived there and i knew we were going to be moving shortly after he was born so that's why i kind of chosen that as the song i always sing to him and now it kind of ties into the Giants too. So I'm looking forward to maybe like the first time I take him to a game and the Giants win and we're leaving. And he's like, wait, like that's the song you sing to me. That's awesome. Yeah, those are some cool traditions. That song actually, like now it means something completely different. Now it means usually whenever I hear it, it's like, okay, I got to turn in my 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 story. You know, you gotta turn a, the story in. It, it's like, it's not as delightful as it was. And it's like, you got to turn out, you got to turn in the story and you got to like get downstairs quick. 
Um, yeah. So that's kind of what that song means. But no, that's cool. I guess some traditions that uh, I have in terms of baseball. The one that came to mind was like a fantasy baseball draft. Like I've done fantasy for a long time now. Um, I've been bounced around in different leagues, but the one that stays constant is um, ever since my freshman year of high school, uh, buddies of mine, we would, we, so would for go. the last three years, <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. It's, it's a little more than that, but, uh, we would, uh, we would all come over to my house and play MLB the show, eat pizza and then draft. And you know, we've had the conversations of who gets first pick. So that's been a fun, you know, and that usually happens like right before opening day, the week before opening day, usually, um, I don't know. I feel like drafting a fantasy team in spring training or before spring training is troublesome. Cause like if a guy has a season ending injury, I don't know, but we, we try to do it as close to opening day as possible. That's, that's the one that definitely comes to mind. Um, and in terms of like favorite baseball tradition um, that I admire, it's kind of, you know, you mentioned sweet Caroline, which is a cool Boston thing, but the seventh inning stretch there's it's it's still a magical thing i think for a lot of people um to hear that song in the ballpark to get up out of their Definitely. seat to dance to sing uh so i think that's that's one of the cool baseball traditions um and as you know this winter and we're going to do some more coverage on it soon the hall of fame is my one of my favorite traditions too and talking yeah. about it every winter and comparing different players and filling out ballots. We're going to have our mock ballots, you know, on Twitter pretty soon. Um, But I always think that's a cool time of year. Um, So those are one tradition that I take part in the fantasy draft. And then one that um, I kind of like doing with, uh, or I kind of like to appreciate with the seventh inning stretch and, and the, uh, the hall of fame. So fun times. Yeah. Seventh inning stretch is a good one, man. I know it's like, it happens everywhere, which is, you know, everyone's like, okay, but it's also like part of what makes it great. Like they do it everywhere. And, you know, I uh, don't really go to baseball games alone. I used to for every once in a while, like one a year or something, but you know, it's always good to like, all right, you know, you're at the game with someone, let's stand up, let's stretch, let's give each other a hug and let's sing and have a good time. So got to love it. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's, probably going to do it for this episode we shut it down again tyler shut holiday season we yeah. were uh not just shutting it down but we were shutting it down with uh christmas reefs and reindeer uh does that make sense no yeah. it doesn't but whatever uh, but, but yeah you know this is definitely <laughs> our last episode before christmas we'll try to get one in depending on what news happens and what our schedules look like with family between christmas and new year's but uh you know, wherever you are, whatever you celebrate, I hope you enjoy your holidays. Steven, my man, this has been so fun to get this podcast started with you. Thankful to call you uh, a friend and a partner on this podcast. I hope you and your family have a, a wonderful holidays, man. Thank you so much, man. And likewise, uh, this has been great. And uh, hopefully uh, you got to update us on on little Hunter and, and how he's enjoying the uh, the holiday season. Because uh, uh, I know it's it's really do. cool for uh for for you know kids his age to experience the the magic of Christmas. So uh, enjoy the holiday season, listeners. Enjoy the holiday season. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, wherever you find your podcast, go like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Follow us on Twitter at shutdown underscore inning. 
and uh yeah we we're gonna continue to post the link tree um <laughs> yeah while while elon lets us yeah so don't worry about that uh that might be old news by the time this comes out by a day uh but yeah happy holidays everybody and see you soon that's what's up